You are now listening to the greatest podcast there is. That's right. This is the Sean Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you so much. This is episode number 293, and I'm coming at you from the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California, the best city in the world, on Thursday, September 17th at 12.14 a.m. Had a busy day today. Lots of stuff going on, being a full-time college student, you know, with the virtual work. But you know what? The grind doesn't stop. Had a break from the NBA playoffs today. Uh, some baseball. No football today. I believe there were NHL playoffs. I'm not sure. Point is, sports are back. I'm loving life. You should be too. Look at the positives. Live life with a positive outlook on everything going on. I hope everyone's staying safe in these positive times first and foremost. Also, before I get into the episode, I want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you visit their website at crimsonit.com, to check out their managed IT services and you tell them that you found them from listening to my podcast, they will give you a huge discount on whatever service you're looking for, so make sure you hit them up. And finally, if you enjoy listening to my podcast, feel free to leave a positive or negative review on iTunes. Follow the show on Spotify. Follow me on Instagram at theboy62thaboyy62. Once again, thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute fucking world to me. You don't even understand it. And with that said, let's get right into it, starting with the NBA. Sean Livingston won three championships as a player for the Golden State Warriors. Now he will try to add more as a member of the front office. Livingston has joined the Warriors front office under the title on the ti- under the title Director of Players Affairs and Engagement. Um, quote, I always knew that door I always knew that door was open, Livingston said. I just had to walk through it. Per Thompson, president of, bas- of basketball operations and general manager Bob Myers, was, quote, elated to hear the former guard wanted to join the front office. Thompson, Thompson, and in this case, this is Marcus Thompson II, a writer for The Athletic. Thompson explained that Livingston retired in September 2019 when it was clear the Warriors, Los Angeles Clippers, or Sacramento Kings, all of which uh, would have kept him near his family, were not going to sign him as a player, that is. So as for the new position, the report suggested that the guard who played from, 2000, from the 2004-05 season through 2018-19 for the Clippers, Miami Heat, Oklahoma City Thunder, Washington Wizards, Charlotte Hornets, Milwaukee Bucks, Cleveland Cavaliers, Brooklyn Nets, and Warriors is, quote, being groomed as a future general manager. So it seems like he is very knowledgeable with the game of basketball. Obviously, he's been around. Uh, I would have honestly loved to see how good he could have been in the end because he was obviously an amazing college player and he suffered a horrific injury. And you know what? He bounced back from it, and he won championships with the Warriors. And the way that he was able to bounce back and still be a contributor in the NBA at the highest level of basketball shows how fucking tough he is mentally. And because the injury that he had, I don't remember what it was, but it was rough. I mean, it was the kind of injury that will not let you play basketball ever again, let alone be any kind of meaningful player in the NBA. And he did that. So, with that said, though, it seems like he's very knowledgeable about the game and. He might be the, a future GM in the NBA. Uh, he said that his connection with Myers and head coach Steve Kerr influenced his decision to join Golden State, saying, quote, it was Bob and Steve. That's what it comes down to. It's the people, and I think that's how it should be. I have enough faith in those guys. I've seen how they've, I've seen how they've, they've managed their responsibilities in the organization. I wanted to learn from those guys because I felt like they have knowledge that they can pass down to me, experience that they can pass down to me. Livingston played for Golden State during the final five seasons of his career, so he should be familiar with the organization and personnel on the floor. Obviously, he was teammates with current players Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and he surely knows what it takes to what it takes to succeed for those guys. So, it seems like a seems like a good move. Um, switching gears now to more NBA. 
the Toronto Raptors on Tuesday have announced that they have signed head coach Nick Nurse to a multi-year contract extension. Team president Masai Ujiri provided a statement on the move, saying that it's uh, you know a great signing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read you the quote. The Raptors promoted Nurse to head coach in 2018 after he spent five years in his, as an assistant under Dwayne Casey, who was fired after the 2017-18 season. The 53-year-old Iowa native led Toronto to the franchise's first championship in 2019 during his first season as a head coach. He has guided them to an amazing 111-43 record in the season during his two-year two tenure, along with a 23-12 and record in the playoffs. So, obviously, he's been absolutely amazing for Toronto. But you know what? Um... You know what? I'm just gonna go out and say it. I think I don't. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't watch that much. Uh, you know, Eastern Conference basketball throughout the season. I'm obviously not a Toronto Raptors fan. But I, I don't. I don't know that the Raptors wouldn't win the title last year if they didn't. If they had. Okay. What I'm trying to say is this. If the Raptors had Dwayne Casey as their coach last year instead of Nick Nurse, I believe they would have won the championship with their season going the same way. And assuming I should say that their season went the same way, and they had the same players, and the Warriors got injured, you know, Clay Thompson and KD in the finals, I think they would have won the championship with Dwayne Dwayne Casey. I think Dwayne Casey was was dealt a very unfortunate hand as he never got a chance with Kawhi Leonard like Nick Nurse did in his first year. Um, and Pascal Siakam wasn't the player that he was under Nick Nurse when Dwayne Casey was there. So, you know, Nick Nurse seems like a great coach, but I just, I just don't know that. I just don't know that he's a special coach. You know, I, I just don't see that, and uh, that's just my opinion. But he did win a ring with Toronto. He has had an amazing record with Toronto. Obviously, a twenty-three and twelve record in the playoffs speaks for itself. So, you know, that speaks for itself. What can I say? my personal opinion switching gears now to the nfl in what is becoming a surefire sign of a player's discontent alan robinson the second removed references to the chicago bears from his social media accounts on tuesday and that is a very modern way of doing things i must say according to nfl network robinson did did so to signal his level of frustration over the team failing to meet his demands on a long-term extension what a surprise. This is the first time we've ever seen this in sports. A star player is frustrated with his team for not offering him an extension or giving him the money that they feel they deserve. Um, while Tom Pilicero reported that Robinson had not requested a trade, Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune reported the whiteout has asked about a trade. So tech, so it seems like he hasn't formally requested a trade, but he, but he wants one. Uh, Robinson is earning 10.9 a 10.9 million dollar base salary in 2020 before he becomes a free agent this offseason the 27 year old is off to a solid 2019 season or he's coming off excuse me a solid 2019 season in which he caught 98 passes for almost 11 for over 1100 yards and seven touchdowns um, his numbers likely would have been a lot better had he not had Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback so I understand where you I you know what it, it may seem like a bitchy a bitchy thing uh, on his end where you can say, oh, yeah, he's making he's making eleven million dollars. Like, what is he complaining about? The point is this: I mean, he feels that he's being underpaid, and he has a certain value that he believes he has based on based on his stats. And objectively, he's right. You know, if star wide receivers are making so much, and he has stats that are better or on par with theirs, why is he not making as much? Why is the team not trying to extend him? And let me tell you this. Those frustrations are magnitude, magn, 
magnitude magnified times 50 when the team here on is the chicago bears i mean if he was on the patriots he was on the seahawks if he was on the steelers the packers the rams any winning team this wouldn't be a problem it, or it, it would have been it definitely would have been but not to this degree because he's on the fucking chicago bears it's a losing franchise for god knows how many years already so that's just what it is so we'll have to see what happens there transitioning back to the nba the nba has announced all rookie all nba excuse me nba all rookie first and second teams on tuesday so unsurprisingly zion williamson and john moran headlined the first team alongside kendrick nunn brandon clark and eric pascal from the warriors no surprises there the second team includes tyler hero terrence davis kobe white pj washington and rui hachimura can't really say i'm surprised that i agree with boy oh boy we (laughs) i still can't believe this happened they really these these crazy motherfuckers really did it the them yo maybe maybe here's a theory maybe jamal murray and nikola Jokic are on some shrooms because i don't know what the fuck they're on how they keep pulling this shit off they did it again Denver completed yet another 3-1 comeback for the second consecutive playoff series after a 104-89 Game 7 victory over the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers have historically choked again. Yo, last episode I said I'd feel bad for them. Fuck that. I don't feel bad for them. Like, I'm a Laker fan. I laugh at this shit. You know, they were, they were talking so much mad shit. Their whole marketing campaign of how it's like hustle over hype and all this shit. Meanwhile, the Lakers are really the ones going... Hands down, Patrick Beverly telling Stephen Curry that it, his time is up, that he had his five years, now Beverly has the next five. You know, all these things. Kawhi Leonard trying to fuck the Lakers over by not, uh, by like baiting them, not baiting them, by pretending that he had interest to sign there so that all the free agents would sign elsewhere so that he could sign with the Clippers and then screw the Lakers over. Tempering to get Paul George over. Paul George talking shit about the Lakers, saying he grew up a Clipper fan. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George just choked so hard. I mean, yo, that that that's supposed to be your, that's supposed to be your, um, the best duo in the NBA. I mean, they, I'm not sure that a duo of such, of such caliber, like, I'm not sure that a duo like that ever choked in a game seven in that way. I mean, come on, uh, they combined, they combined. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for 24 points in Game 7 on 10 of 38 shooting. So they made 10 shots out of 38. Let me get, let me whip out, let me whip out my calculator real quick. I can tell that that's, you know, based on fairly quick mathematics, 10 divided by 40 is about 4. So that's probably a right around 25% shooting. That is very bad. Let's divide it and get the exact percentage. It's 26%, 26.3% from the floor. For Kawhi Leonard and Pandemic Paul George, Pandemic P, I mean, absolute, and they both had zero points. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for zero points in the fourth quarter of a game seven in the conference semifinals, trying to get their franchise to their first ever conference finals appearance after being up three games to one in the series. In that same game seven, they combined for zero motherfucking points i mean come on i mean i'm not sure like yo i I, like it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to to find a a bigger choke job in 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 nba history i mean 
everyone was clowning the shit out of the Warriors in 2016 for blowing a 3-1 lead to the Cavs. But, I mean, that Cavs team had LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. Don't get me wrong, this Nuggets team, I mean, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are doing amazing things right now, putting up historic numbers. But this Clippers team, like I already said last episode, they they, they traded away like six first-round picks to get Paul George to, to join Kawhi Leonard. Like on the Clippers, you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Ivica Zubats, Landry Shamit, Jamichael Green. That team is stacked as fuck. Your head coach is Doc Rivers. You get blank checks from Steve Ballmer. How did the like the Nuggets have a good team? But on paper, the, the Clippers are better in every aspect: coaching, offense, defense. And they were the better team throughout the series, but they choked so many times. They blew a 15-point game five lead. They blew a 19-point third quarter game six lead. And here's the crazy thing: I think I might have mentioned this on the last episode. In 2015 and 2020, the Clippers blew 3-1 series leads in the conference semifinals to Houston and Denver respectively and both times they had 19 point third quarter leads in game six that's specific and crazy but those are crazy but those are the stats I mean Paul George with 10 points I mean so here, here let's look at it Kawhi Leonard 41 minutes six of 22 from the floor That is horrible. Horrible for Kawhi. Six rebounds, six assists, 14 points. In the, in, the, in the biggest game, in the biggest game of his career. This is the biggest game of his career. He was the leader. He was the leader and he failed. He was not the leader in San Antonio. You can say, yeah, he won the finals MVP in San Antonio. He won the finals MVP in Toronto. Bullshit. He did win those. But guess what? In San Antonio, he was surrounded by legends in a perfect system. He had Greg fucking Popovich as his head coach. He had Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Danny Green, other other guys, Bellinelli probably too. That team was stacked. Kawhi Leonard was a great piece for them, but he was not the leader. And he never, w- he never was a leader, and he, ever, he never will be. Greg Popovich said that publicly. I, I, probably, I think it was after he left San Antonio in Toronto. Everyone perceived Kawhi Leonard to be the leader, but guess what? The vocal leader of the team was and still is to this day Kyle Lowry. It was not Kawhi Leonard. Leonard might have been very productive for Toronto in the playoffs and throughout the season, and he led them to. He didn't lead them, but he was a huge part of why they won a championship. But Kyle Lowry was their leader, and this year, I mean, they were, they, they were right there again. They were on the doorstep. They took Boston to seven games. And now Boston's battling it out with Miami in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, which I'll get to in a second. So I just covered Kawhi Leonard. Now let's look at Pandemic P. In 35 minutes, he had 10 points, 2 assists, 4 rebounds, shooting 2 of 9 from 3 and 4 of 14 from the field overall. Slightly better than Kawhi Leonard at 28% from the floor. So, you know, not, not as bad. 2% better. I mean, yo, like... Paul George with five turnovers as well, two of eleven from three. Like, yo, what are you? How? Like, how did this happen? I, like, I don't, I don't understand. The, the Clippers scored only thirty-three points in the entire second half. I mean, that's you score thirty-three points in a solid quarter, not in entire, not in, not in a entire second half. And of course, Jamal Murray. I mean, of course, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard had fourteen, and Paul George had like ten points. Jamal fucking Murray had forty points, five assists, four rebounds. 15 of 26 from the floor. Now let's divide that. 15 of 26 sounds a lot better than 6 of 22. 
15 divided by 26 gives us 57% from the floor. He was shooting 57% from the floor. That's 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 how you do it. That's championship mentality right there. And from 3, 6 divided by 13, 46% from 3. Those are amazing numbers from Jamal Murray. A clutch, amazing Game 7 performance. Nikola Jokic, what a stat line. 16 points, 22 rebounds, 22 rebounds, 13 assists, 3 blocks, and 2 steals. When you have Jamal Murray... Scoring 40 points, making six threes out of 13 threes, three three point attempts, making 15 of 26 shots from the floor. When you have Jamal Murray scoring 40 points in game seven, and Nikola Jokic with a stat line of 16, 22, 13, 3, and 2, yo, you have a solid ass team. Those are your just top your top two guys, Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell led 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 the Clippers in scoring. I just realized that he had 20 points when Kawhi had 14 and Pandemic P had 10. So. The um, the Nuggets in their first conference finals since 2009. I mean, based on the based on the hype the Clippers have been getting, you would think that the Clippers made last made a conference finals appearance 10 years ago, and the Nuggets never made one. But it's the opposite. Nuggets played the Lakers in the, in the 2009 conference finals, and now they play them in the 2020 conference finals. While the Clippers never made a conference finals in their franchise history, I said they might as well move to Seattle after this. And they should, but they won't. Doc Rivers is going to come back as head coach. Pandemic P is going to be back. <laughs> Calling him Pandemic P is really funny. But man, what a collapse for the Clippers. I almost feel bad for them. I don't uh, exactly. And speaking of the Clippers, I mean, Damian Lillard had to poke fun at them and just roast the shit out of them. Uh, I mean, Damian Lillard went as far as offering Clippers guard Patrick Beverly a vacation invite. And, backcourt, and Dame's backcourt teammate CJ McCollum didn't hold back either. Dame tweeting, quote, at PadBev21, I guess I should extend this Cancun invite since I haven't made any made my arrangements yet, with three crying, la crying laughing emojis. And CJ tweeted, quote, my last tweet before I finish this glass, they did vote they ain't want to play no more, but I didn't think they was going to go out like that. Oh my God, CJ killed them. He was referring to the fact that the Lakers uh, voted not to continue the season amid the huge social and, and racial unrest in this country in the wake of the shooting of... Um, I believe at the time it was Jacob Blake. I mean, there's it just shows you how crazy it is. There's been there's been so many that no, I don't think it was Jacob Blake. Let me see. It was in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Man, I feel I'm kind of ashamed for for not even not even remembering. Um, yeah, no, it was Jacob Blake. Yeah, so, I mean, there's been so many that I mean the one in New York. So, man, man, man. I mean, they, Kawhi and Paul George got me shook. I don't even know what to say. But Clippers going to clip no matter who's their coach, no matter what jersey color they have, no matter what, what logo they have, no matter what branding they have, no matter what marketing campaign they have, no matter who's in the front office, whether it's Jerry West, the Laker legend, or fucking Elton Brand, it doesn't matter. No matter who owns them, it doesn't matter. The Clippers have a legacy of choking, a legacy of losing, a legacy of failure, a they're cursed and yeah it sucks to be them it really does feel bad for them i almost feel bad for them i don't feel bad for them they can suck my ass fuck the clippers um but you know i keep things classy on this podcast then keep it i keep it neutral i keep it objective <laughs> switching gears to more nba jimmy butler may wake up before it before 4 a.m every morning but he thrives late 
The Miami Heat leading man added more clutch moments to his resume on Tuesday, hitting a driving layup and ensuing free throw on the end one with just 12 seconds left in overtime to help give the Miami Heat a 117-114 Game 1 win in the Eastern Conference Finals over the Boston Celtics. Uh, Bam Adebayo had one of the most unbelievable plays I have ever seen as he stuffed a Jason Tatum dunk attempt with 3.7 seconds left to secure the win. Tatum, Tatum after that, had one last chance to send the game into double overtime um, with a three-point attempt after Adebayo made one out of only one out of two free throws, but his miracle three barely missed. Um, let's take a look at the stats. I mean, the Heat had lots of uh, lots of great contributors. Goran Dragic had 29 points, seven boards. Jake Ryder had 22 points, and he was five of nine from three, so he did his job for sure. Jimmy Butler, of course, 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. Bam Adebayo, I mean, 18 points, nine assists, six rebounds, two blocks, one steal, so he does it all for the Heat. Jason Tatum obviously led the, led the way for the Celtics with 30 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. Marcus Smart was great with 26 points on 6 of 13 from 3, so shooting greater than 50% from the free throw line on 13 attempts is, is huge. Jalen Brown had 17 points, and Kemba Walker had 19 points, but Kemba was 6 of 19 from the floor. That is that is just not going to cut it for the Celtics and Kemba Walker if they want to beat the Miami Heat in this series. 6 of 19 is 31%. That is... Uh, just not going to cut it. And, uh, yeah, the Miami Heat take a 1-0 series lead. Um, yeah. Heat take a 1 I mean, I just, I'm shook. I can't get over, can't get over the Clippers choking. But I'm going to have to switching gears to the NFL. San Francisco 49ers star cornerback Richard Sherman is going on the injured reserve, according to NFL Network. Um, it is being reported that Sherman has a calf strain and needs a few weeks of rest and rehab. Man, <laughs> I mean, are they sure that it's not something worse than a calf strain? What kind of calf strain leaves you out for weeks? Uh, the, th- the 32-year-old remains one of the best cornerbacks in the league. The Niners veteran was excellent in his second season for the Niners in 2019, registering 61 tackles, 3 interceptions, 11 passes def- uh, defended, and a defensive touchdown. The Stanford product made his fifth Pro Bowl team and was voted second team All-Pro, so obviously he was huge for them last year. Uh, Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus ranked him as the 13th best player in the NFL and the top cornerback from the 2019 season. So he's still definitely as good as he was for the Legion of Boom, the Seattle Seahawks, in uh, you know when he was there. So yeah, with that, I'm switching gears back to the NBA. All NBA teams have been announced. So the all, the 2019-20 All NBA First Team includes. LeBron James, no surprise. Giannis Antetokounmpo, no surprise. Luka Doncic, no surprise. Anthony Davis, no surprise. And James Harden. I mean, I agree with this list 100%. The second team is Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, Chris Paul, and Pascal Siakam. You know, I might consider putting Jokic in the first team ahead of James Harden, but I believe position-wise it wouldn't work. And the third team is uh, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, and Russell Westbrook. Uh, reigning MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is also a finalist for that award again this season, was also named to the first team for the second year in a row. Giannis and LeBron were the only Gian- Gian- unanimous selections for the first team, according to The Athletic. James Harden was named first team All-NBA for the fifth straight season, while Luka Doncic made his first appearance on an All-NBA team in his second season. Obviously a huge improvement for Luka. Doncic becomes the first player to earn first-team All-NBA honors in, in one of his first two seasons since Tim Duncan in 1999. So not even LeBron James uh, has done that. So also lots of history with LeBron and with his selection as he has now the, he's now the first ever NBA player to be named 
two All-NBA teams in 16 seasons. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, and Tim Duncan all had 15 appearances. Uh, and this is the 13th time that he's been named that he's been named to the first team. So huge for LeBron there. With that, I'm going to be transitioning to baseball. My Los Angeles Dodgers are headed to the playoffs for the eighth straight year after clinching a postseason berth with Wednesday's 7-5 victory over division rival the San Diego Padres. The Padres, Padres took the first game of the series, but the Dodgers took the next two, clinching a playoff berth, being the first team to do so. In this special and, and, and highly shortened 60-game season, the Dodgers have firmly established themselves as the best team in baseball. They currently own the best record in Major League Baseball at 35-15, and and their 700 winning percentage is the highest in franchise history. Um, I mean, there's no surprise for uh, as far as the Dodgers' success, considering the fact that they've won the division for like eight straight years now. They won 106 games last year, and they added Mookie Betts, who's arguably the best player in baseball, to it to that team. You know, adding him to a team that already includes reigning NL MVP Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Corey Seager, Enrique Hernandez, Justin Turner. I mean, Chris Taylor, AJ Pollock. That team is stacked. Will Smith. Um, I mean, the Dodgers are ranked first in the MLB in home runs at 93, third in run score at 279, and fifth in OPS at 802. And they have one of the best and deepest pitching groups in all of baseball. Clayton Kershaw continues to dominate with a 2.28 ERA and .792 whip in eight starts. Walker, Walker Bueller has had some bad luck with home runs, but still boasts a 3.86 ERA and 9.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Dustin May is emerging as another ace for the Dodgers with a sub-3 ERA. Tony Gonsolin has been great. The entire pitching staff leads the MLB with both a 2.99 ERA and a 1.07. Some of the bullpen guys still have a 0.0 ERA, so that's been unbelievable as well. Um, with that, I'm my predictions for week two of the NFL season. Uh, lots of games, obviously. It is 12.40 a.m. currently. It is Thursday morning, I guess you would say. Uh, so later today is the first game of week two, the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Cleveland Browns. Both teams are 0-2 the games on NFL Network. It is a battle of uh, number one overall pick quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield on the Browns and Joe Burrow on the Bengals. The, ba- the Browns are the home team, so because of that, I'm going to give them the edge. I think they're going to bounce back and move to 1-1, and while the Bengals will move to 0-2 in Joe Burrow's rookie season. Then we got the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. The Bears are the home team. These are two teams that are not good. The Bears are 1-0, though, and I think they're going to improve to 2-0 against the Giants. Then we got a very interesting game. The Los Angeles Rams, who beat the Dallas Cowboys Week 1, take on the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost to the Washington football team. The Eagles are the home team, but because of those matchups and because of how these two teams looked in Week 1, I'm going to have to say the Rams improve to 2-0 and the Eagles fall to 0-2. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons against the Dallas Cowboys. This is a tough one for me. Both teams are 0-1. The Falcons losing to the Seahawks at home while the Cowboys lost to the Rams on the road. The Cowboys are the home team here. Dak Prescott against Matt Ryan, the quarterback matchup. This is tough, but because the Cowboys got Ezekiel Elliott, they got wide receiver weapons. I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys on this one only because they're the home team. If If this game was in Atlanta, I would go with the Falcons for sure. Then we got the Carolina Panthers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady making his home Buccaneers debut. Uh, both teams are 0-1, the Panthers losing at home to the Raiders and the Buccaneers losing on the road against the Saints. But you know what? Judging by the fact that the Buccaneers um, put up a, a pretty good fight against Drew Brees and the Saints on the road in their first game altogether, I'm going to say the Buccaneers improved to 1-1 while the, while the Panthers fall to 0-2. 
Now, I wouldn't, I mean, I would assume most people wouldn't expect these two teams to be 0-1 at the same time. The San Francisco 49ers and the New York Jets. Obviously, the 49ers are a much better team than the Jets. This game is in New York, but the Niners will win easily and they will improve to 1-1, while the Jets will fall to 0-2. Then we got the Denver Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Broncos are 0-1, the Steelers are 1-0. The Steelers had some trouble with the Giants, a little bit of trouble, a little bit, a little bit of a scare last week. Uh, the Broncos had a very close game with the Tennessee Titans, just losing by a field goal, I believe it was. Uh, the game is in Pittsburgh, but I have a gut feeling that Denver is going to win this game. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is still adjusting. He's still struggling a little bit with injuries. So I think Denver is going to take this one. Then we got the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans. Both teams are 1-0. and um, The Jaguars beat the Colts and the Titans beat the Broncos. I'm going to go with the Titans on this one solely because... They're the home team. They still have Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Mike Vrabel is their coach. They made the AFC AFC Championship game last year, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. So because of that, they're the home team. I'm going to go with them. Then we got the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers, the classic matchup. Lions are 0-1 while the Packers are 1-0. This one's pretty easy for me. The Packers are at home, and they're the better team. They have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. They're going to win this one. Next up, we got the Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. The Bills are 1-0, while the Dolphins are 0-1. can't remember who the Bills played, but the Dolphins lost to the Patriots. Uh, the Bills are just the better team, in my opinion. Tua Tagovailoa not playing yet for the Dolphins. It's still Ryan Fitzpatrick. He could be Fitz Magic this week. He could be Fitz Tragic. We don't know with Fitz. Uh, the Dolphins, once, once again, are the home team, but I think Buffalo takes this one. Next up, we got the Minnesota Vikings at the Indianapolis Colts. Both of these, te- both of these teams are 0-1. The Vikings losing to the Packers and the Colts losing to the Jaguars. Uh, the Vikings, I believe, will win this one at on the road against Indianapolis. You know, the Colts do have Phillip Rivers, but I think the Vikings are the better team. Then we got the Washington football team at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, normally I'd be very inclined to say that the Cardinals would win this one easily because, you know, Washington sucks ass. But Washington beat Philadelphia week one. But Arizona beat San Francisco week one on the road. So I'm going to go with Arizona on this one. They're the home team. You know, they got Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. They got Sean McVay 2.0 as their head coach. So I think the Cardinals improved to 2-0, and the football team falls to 1-1. Next up, we got a very cool matchup, the Baltimore Ravens at the Houston Texans. The Ravens are 1-0. Texans are 0-1. I think the Raiders are just, excuse me, the Ravens are just better. They have too much offensive firepower, obviously, with Lamar Jackson, and I think they improved to 2-0 while the Texans fall to 1-1. This Seahawks team is arguably the best team in the NFC. Arguably the best team in the NFC West. It might be the best team right now with San Francisco losing week one. And they're playing at home. Still got most of their team, you know, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. So I think the Seahawks definitely improved to 2-0 and while the Patriots fall to 1-1. And lastly, the Monday Night Football matchup is a matchup of two 1-0 teams. The New Orleans Saints at the Las Vegas Raiders. This one's pretty obvious. The Raiders making their home debut as... Vegas Raiders 
Those are my predictions for week two of the NFL season. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it very much. I'll see you guys on episode number 294 very soon. And with that, I'm out. Thank you guys.